The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of The Command Zone. This is our 20th episode. Holy crap! I mean, how's it? How's it? (laughs) Whoops. It's, uh... Dang it. (laughs) I always say, how's it first, and you screwed me up, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. sorry. Uh, uh, My name is Jimmy Wong, and... Oh, I'm Josh Lee Kwai. And we have a special guest today. I'm Craig Blanchett. You're not that special anymore, Craig. It's like your fourth, third, fourth time on the show? Yeah, third or fourth. I don't know. It's I lost count, but I love well. being here. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that was the dramatic uh, soap opera music. I think third time's the charm. I'm down with that. Uh, like so that. today, of course, we are finishing off our Commander set review of uh, the Commander 2014 decks, and we're on blue. And Woo-hoo! we brought Craig in because Craig, yes. <laughs> Craig is the only one out of all of us that has a... I- I'm Jimmy the Red, so I have a mono red deck. I only have one. Craig has... Two mono blue decks? Uh, now three. Now three. Craig has three mono blue decks. Yeah, yep. he just loves this color. I thought you liked blue, Josh. No, I like blue, but I'm really like five color guy. Yeah. That's really my identity, like every color. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought we'd bring in the expert, Craig, here. So Craig, tell us a little bit about your other two uh, commander decks that are blue. So my other two are Memnarch and uh, Talran. So they both go off completely different uh, dynamics. Memnarch is all about, you know, building up a mana base really fast and then getting a bunch of artifacts out and then stealing everybody else's stuff. Uh, and Talrand, you monster. Yeah, you're a monster. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite. It's one of my first. I played against somebody else who was playing it, and then they started taking all my stuff, and I was like, who is this general? Why is he playing with an artifact? <laughs> and they were like, oh, because it's blue, and is in, uh, in down in the description, you can play him as a blue general. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm so excited. You monster. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one's Talrand, which is all about, you know, cantripping into extra cards. You basically play a bunch of cantrips to get a bunch of flyers and extra effects. And then you just build up this army of flyers that... That's a lie. It's all about countering everybody it's, else's yeah, spells. Yeah, and then always having okay. a little 2-2 two, two yeah. flyer come in. It's all about okay. countering a spell and then getting a 2-2 two, two flyer for and you. And that as well. I, I, <laughs> I have pretty much all the, the counters in there and, uh, you know, bounce bounce target creature back to the player's That deck is blah, the blah, best blah. deck when you're playing, like, two-headed giant or three-headed yeah. giant. Because it's a, just a great support deck. It's like I shut down everything my opponents are trying to do, all the important stuff, and then my partner can actually kill them. I yeah. totally yeah. agree. Talrand is the perfect support. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about the mono blue deck as constituted from the Commander 14 uh, deck list. Um, we're going to do the same thing we did for the last one, which is we'll talk about the deck, what it wants to do, uh, what you know the generals are, which ones you might want to pick, what the best cards are, the worst cards, and then we're going to talk about some cards that you might want to add in. So let's start about talking about what this deck list looks like it wants to do. This one's complicated. It's it took, very weird. Yeah. I, I mean, we had to look at it for a little while to figure out like what... It was trying to do the other ones are pretty yeah. simple, like green is elves, white is tokens, red's artifacts, black is graveyard recursion. This one was like, uh, <laughs> hold on, let me, let, well, I have a statistical breakdown, so I'll, I'll read that first because um, we've done this for all the rest of them. So the blue deck has uh, about four cards that are either wraths, mass removal, or mass bounce. Yeah, yeah. About three cards that are single target removal, spot removal. 
There are 11 ramp cards. There are 16 card draw cards, uh, which is a lot, but Blue yeah. is known for it. This um, is the weird one, the next one. Yeah. Uh, you would expect Blue to have a lot of counter spells, or I also included uh, spells that change the targets of other people's spells. Mm-hmm. There's only three, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, so it's not super controlly, but there are 12 what I would call big, splashy, high-impact, enter-the-battlefield-type creatures. So creatures that come in, they cost like seven, eight, nine mana, and they do, do something. stuff, yeah. Yeah, when they enter, something big. There are three clone effects, and then there was also sort of this tempo-y, tap, untap shenanigans stuff. There's about four of those. So it's really hard to draw any conclusions from those statistics. Yeah, it's weird, too, because you wouldn't expect Blue to have the... I mean, Blue does have big creatures, right. big butts, like Stormtide Leviathan or whatever. And it's weird, though, because usually, like, Craig's two decks are... One's a straight counterspell deck, and the other one is about stealing your stuff. That's what and, I think of when I think of Blue. Yeah, exactly. Especially because Blue is considered the most powerful color just because it was th- unbalanced as heck in the old days. And I days. think those two effects are the two most powerful effects that blue has. Like, somebody yeah. puts something in and you're like, I take it. And they're like, no, I just yeah. spent all this man on that. Well, it's that. like, I either stop it from ever exactly. coming out or yeah. I steal it. Yep. Yeah, that's sort of what blue's known for. Yeah. But and this usually deck's not for, doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it is interesting, though. I'm glad it has a lot of ramp because the big, splashy enter the battlefield creatures wouldn't be able to come out if you didn't have any of that. Yeah, I think it... it we're going to talk about it later, but I think it yeah. needs even more ramp. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, I think the 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 conclusion we sort of came to is that it looks like it's almost like a semi-combo focused build. It 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 also has a sub-theme of like reuse your enter, enter the battlefield effects. Yeah, which I think is something that it, it should focus more on, I think, for my tastes. Yeah, I think, but, but as a win condition, I think what it's trying to do is sort of tempo people out, mm-hmm. um, keep everything on the board sort of like, uh, I don't know, unbalanced. Like it's trying to bounce things back to people's hands or make it so stuff doesn't untap and just. Right. It, and then draw a bunch of cards and ramp to basically like one big high impact creature. Um, we'll talk about them later, but there's something like Hoverguard Sweepers, which comes down. It's a five, six flyer and it returns two creatures to their owner's hand. And then it wants to play like a Rite of Replication and copy that thing five times and bounce a million things back to people's hands and then just swing for the win. Yeah. That's sort of the win condition, it feels like. So, but but in the meantime, it wants to do all this weird stuff about like, uh, just bounce a creature here, make something hard to untap, like stuff like Wipe that. Wipe the board See, a couple of the, times. And the oh, win con you just, you just presented takes, it's super late game. What you just talked about is two turns and so high mana cost for both of them. Uh, I do think that possibly the, you know, Tidespot Tyrant or something like that as a, an addition to this might be something to consider. Yeah, okay, that's that's a really good point. We'll talk about that when we get to the additions, but yeah. But I think that's what the goal of the deck is, regardless of what the yeah. creature that... Like, there's a few creatures, I think, that, that, that can fill that role of, like, I copy it five times and then I kind of win. But it, it sort of wants to copy one of its big creatures or bounce it and replay it a few times yeah. to, to sort of lock everything down or just create enough havoc that it can then win. It's interesting, too, because this is the only deck that has the two artifacts slash equipment that like you equip something and it gives other people buffs for attacking other players. Yeah. So like Assault Suit and Crown of Doom. Like, so it's interesting. It's trying to control And there's it. a creature that makes uh, somebody else's creature attack somebody else that's not you. Yeah, or yeah. You, get you to can pick tap who it for it one attacks. blue. Dulcet Sirens, I think. Yeah. yeah. So 
it's trying to create havoc out there. Yeah, and it's also trying to, I think, try and push a new commander like idea, which is you are instead of controlling the board through counter spells, you're controlling it through these equipments or these cards that force interaction amongst other people. Okay, so let's talk about what the three commanders are in yes. the deck. Um, I'll start it off. We got Lorthos the Tidemaker. Guys, watch out. It's a commander that costs a I mana. I love the art on this guy. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It looks like he's about oh, to. Oh, yeah, he costs a million mana. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he's five and three blue for an 8-8 legendary creature. Octopus, don't see too many of those. Whenever Lorthos the Tidemaker attacks, you may pay eight. If you do, tap up to eight target permanents. Those permanents don't untap during the controller's next untap steps. So this is doing one of those things we were talking about, which it basically like locks yeah. down like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, the it's kind of like Icy Blast almost from cons, although it does permanence, right? Right. So right. you can do their lands. You can do... Yeah, you can do anything. I guess you could do um, their enchantments. That doesn't feel like it would do anything, though. You could also technically do their planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't think that would do anything, but yes. Yeah, exactly. It's doing one of those things, although... Unless it's, it's Sarkin. <laughs> I just don't like most generals that cost that amount of mana. Yeah, and especially because he has another thing that costs eight. So he has to essentially live till your next turn to use it and be able to use his ability. Yeah, and, and it costs eight. So you can't even like write a replication in him. Well, he's legendary, so you couldn't do that anyway. Yeah. So it's just... Well, you could. They would have just all die when they came in. Yeah, they would copy one and then you choose which of the ones would die, but, but that's it's not the effective. <laughs> totally agree. That I mean, it's like you can only attack with them. You can't really copy that unless you do something like the, the twining... Uh, Rings of Bright. Rings of Bright, or uh, what's the other one? But incredibly hard to copy, like yeah. to, to really 16, break well, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, he's a, it's a powerful effect, but it just feels like it'd be like you're not, you can't, like, do you really want to not have mm-hmm. access to your general till like turn seven? Like, you can't do anything with him. Yeah. I could see him being the best one on one general in this particular set. That's true. In one-on-one, he's very strong. Yeah. That's the other well, thing that's because that's say. an entire board for yeah. eight permanents. Yeah. In multiplayer, you're going to lock down eight things. That's not actually that much. It's like, really not. Y- it, mm-hmm. it might be one player. And then what are you going to do about the other two players? Like, you just spend eight mana to do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next guy because I, I don't think any of us are a fan of <laughs> no. Orthos. Well, we're, we're fans, just not super fans. I mean, I want his autograph, but <laughs> all eight of them. All eight of them. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, the next one is the Planeswalker of the uh, of the deck. It's Teferi Temporal Archmage, Archmage, Archmage. Um, this was spoiled at Comic Con a while ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of you have probably seen it. It's four and two blue for Planeswalker. Five loyalty is plus one. Is look at the top two cards of your library. Put one into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. Blech. Minus one. Untap up to four target permanents. Mm. That one to me is the one that can be broken. Yeah. And then his negative 10 is you get an emblem with you may activate loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control on any player's turn anytime you could cast an instant. Sweet. And he can be your commander. I forgot to mention earlier. So, uh, yeah, the emblem is interesting. It belongs in a Super Friends deck. Yeah, I was going to say It's he... hard to use in a monocolored deck because you really only have, what, Him. Jace? Jace, yeah. So you, the most uh, planeswalkers you could ever have out is two? Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so that seems like that's not even worth anything. The untapped four target permanents, there's probably ways to go infinite with that. That's the type of effect. Yeah. That I feel like there's a way to do that without six mana and the Planeswalker as well. And it's a minus one, so you can't even yeah. do it every turn. Um, and then the plus one is basically draw a card. You can pick between two cards, so it's like scry two, scry one, draw a card, something like that. Yeah. I, I like that ability. Yeah, it's a good I, ability. I think, yeah, but I think, you know, six, six, mana? six mana is a little high. Yeah. Um, Agreed. It also doesn't look like it fits into anything we think the deck wants to try to do. No. Not, so, not 
As with a lot of these planeswalkers, we're not advocating that planeswalker as the. I think general. it's really cool. It's a build around me if you really want to build around Teferi. But at the same time, I can't really see him being that wonderful just because his emblem. I mean, here's the thing: all the other emblems on the other planeswalkers are essentially unachievable in the decks they're in. Right, right. Um, unless... And but a lot of them, if you did get them, you're going to win or at right, least have a really right. good chance of winning. This one is like. Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah. you can if it's only affecting him and potentially like one other planeswalker you might have in your deck, it's just not worth it. It is yeah. affecting him though, right? So I mean, like every turn you could be drawing a card, which yeah. is super powerful. But then you could also play Consecrated Sphinx for the same amount of mana and draw twice that. True. And True. not have to put one on the. Also, his um, emblem allows you to tick him up on other players' turns and your turn. Yes. Yeah. So it would, in theory, he's putting more loyalty counters on himself. But his emblem doesn't stack, so if you get to another ultimate, like it doesn't do you any good. But yeah. I, my guess is you would use like one turn, you would bump him up. Next, Next turn, turn, you bump minus, him down. Yeah, I'm just saying, saying yeah. untap like, your lands. His, yeah, if he, there was some way that that emblem was uh, could get additional benefit from having two of those emblem, then I think he might be even more oh, powerful. That'd be cool. Because right. then all of a sudden you're ticking him up four times, and you do it again, and you ultimate him again. Right. But that doesn't actually do anything. I would so. love to see how many times that happens in a game. Because, I mean, getting a oh, Planeswalker to its never, ultimate yeah. is so hard. Especially, what is he pluses one to pluses get to one, ten. Yeah, so it's yeah. going to take... Yeah, here's the thing. I think I've seen... I don't know how many commanders I've seen played... I'm, commander games where a Planeswalker comes out and they never get their ultimate. I think yeah. it happened once. I mean, usually the way that I try to trick it out is I try to make him with a green deck and then you put a doubling season. That's the only way you see them really ultimate in in multiplayer games because everyone just turns and is like, well, I'll hit the freaking Planeswalker to keep him away from the ultimate. Like, you just, it's hard to hold off three players from doing any damage to you at all. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I don't know. Anyway. I do kind of wish his ability, though, his first ability matched with what they're trying to do with this cons block. uh, And I wish it threw it in the graveyard instead of at the bottom of the library. Then you could delve. Treasure cruise, yeah. you can yeah. dig through time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally Bring agree. it back, recur it if you throw yeah. it in a black deck or something like that. There yeah. are some cards from the old sets that'll let you do something with the bottom card of your library, but I don't know if any of those are mono I mean, blue or like, if they're worth playing. Yeah, they're definitely not mono blue. And the only one I can think of is uh, that Cranko. Gr- oh, Cranko. Cranko yeah. or the graveyard guy. Grenzo. Yeah. Oh, the guy from that black your library. library. Yeah. 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 Well, you got, you're building a whole different deck if you're doing yeah. that. Magical dream world over here. Okay. So, and the next, um, oh, the last. Do you want to read it? Or you want yeah. To... Uh, Craig, why don't you go ahead and All right. Craig, you're going to read a card? Tell yeah. us who Stitcher Garolf so, is. Stitcher Garolf is a legendary is it creature. Hum- why are people called Jeroff? I don't know. Stitcher. I would say Jeroff, just because you spell Jerry with a G E. I'll say Gerald. Very true. Very true. Or, and Gerald, yeah. I'll say Gary. Or so, Gerald. Isn't it Gerald Butler or is it Gerald Butler? Uh, I think it's Gerald. Stitcher Jerry. Stitcher Jerry is a legendary (laughs) creature. Let's talk about Jerry. (laughs) He's a a human wizard. uh, Two blue and three other. He's a three four. And uh, you tap two and one blue and tap him. And each player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Exile up to two creature cards put into graveyards this way. And put an XX blue zombie creature token into the battlefield where X is the total power of creature card of cards exiled this way. Wow, sounds complicated. Sounds complicated. It's very similar to another general that does. Um, he comes in with X and Y based on like a card in your graveyard and someone else's, right? Yeah, Phyrexian Ingester, which is really, really a good card that sh- should see more play than it does. I but think. that's not a general. That's not a general. There's, general. A, there's another guy that does. I can't. Uh, it's not off the top of my head. But it's yeah, similar to like. Well, either anyway, what happens is you put this card into play. Everybody takes the top three cards of their library, puts it in their graveyard, and then you pick two, the two biggest creatures that were yeah. put in the graveyard like that, and you add up their power, and then that's how big. Uh, 
Yeah. That's how big... Does he become that big? Hold on. No, no, he puts it... Oh, that's yeah. how big the zombie token that he puts out yeah. is. So and just for my own clarification, that's only the turn... So let's say I do it, and it's the second time that I do it. Can I access creature cards that were put into the graveyard that way from I don't the first think so. time? No, it's only, only yeah, it's that, that ability, instance, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, the, the problem with this is it, it's like half of this is like you want to mill someone cool you can start milling someone and maybe you should have other effects that you know a trigger when people put cards in a graveyard but there's really nothing in the deck that supports a milling strategy strongly yeah i think the the thing that goes with this deck is you have a lot of big creatures you do yeah so you have a good chance that you're gonna rip a, a storm tide leviathan off the top and then yeah. you add it with somebody else and all of a sudden you got a 14 14 but the other problem is you don't really have that many ways to mess with the top of your deck like you don't have brainstorms and stuff to like put stuff back on top, so you can at least choose, you know, like oh, yeah, like right. I drew this this turn, right. I, I don't need this, I can't play, it, but I'd rather use Stitcher to right. play it in the left. You just have, you're just upping the chances of 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 doing it, and then yeah. I mean, but if you could pull it off one time, get a big creature, and then write a replication it, and now that you have, you know, seven, right. 14, 14s or six, I guess it would be, you know, it's something. It's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, none of these generals, I don't like um, any of them for the deck. I agree. I think. Gerolf or Gerolf or Jerry, Jerry. I think Jerry is the best one. I guess if you know, if you're just not going, if you got to use one of these three, I, I would say him. I guess. Yeah. I mean, Teferi at least draws you an extra card every turn, uh, and you get to pick between the top two. So that's. And he's a play. I would probably go <laughs> with Teferi just because I f- I find Gerolf's it's it's too interesting. Yeah, I haven't I, played this deck yet though. I feel so like I the minus really one on Teferi is better than most. Other of these cards, I don't know. The I, untap I don't know. four, four I mean, it's just nice. ramp, and you might need the ramp in this deck too. Yeah. So you tap four lands, you untap four lands, and you got eight lands. Yeah. That 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 could be worth something. Yeah, I could see it both ways. Yeah, but um, either way, none of these generals I don't think fit very well with this deck. And so you guys actually had a couple of other ideas, which I thought were, were really interesting. Yeah, I thought um, Sakashima is 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 sort of a cheap general. I think. Costs like six bucks. Um, yeah, I'll read it for you. Yeah, Sakashima the Imposter. It's from uh, Kamigawa Betrayers. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, and it's two and two blue for a 3-1 legendary creature, Human Rogue. And it's basically a clone creature, uh, except it's not a zero, 0 which is interesting. Uh, as it comes into play, you can choose a creature in play. So you can choose something that has Hexproof, by the way. Uh, if you do, Sakashima comes into play as a copy of that creature, except its name is still Sakashima the Imposter. It's still legendary and gains two and two blue, returns Sakashima to its owner's hand at end of turn. So to me, this is a way to continuously use an enter the battlefield effect from one of the big creatures. Mm-hmm. You play Sakashima, you get the enter the battlefield trigger, it bounces people's stuff or makes it so they don't tap or whatever, and yeah. then you, you bounce Sakashima back to your hand, play it again. Bounce yeah. back it's also hand, protection in case someone tries to get rid of her. Yep. Um, and also, like, it, it for, like it's really cool because you're playing your general like kind of backwards where you want to play other things, and then your general is going right. to come in as a toolbox card that you always have access to. And it's nice if you have eight mana because then you can do it and then you know bounce her at end of the end of someone else's turn and then replay her again. Or the as next soon as she gets having, targeted with something. Yeah, but you yep. don't need to pay extra, which is nice. You can just have her in your hand. Yeah. Unless someone forces you to discard her, then sad days. (laughs) (laughs) Then sad days. Sad days indeed. (laughs) So I totally agree that that is the perfect, just insert that as your general into this deck. If you're getting into this game, I I agree. Get this deck and then get that as your general and you can can hop off doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. 
And I mean, there's there's blue is a very powerful color. There's a lot of generals you could go with, and you probably would be fine. I mean, yeah. Like honestly, if you just put Memnark at the helm of this thing, like you don't do have to well be, too. you don't have to be fully supported Memnark deck for that to be powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? I think there's probably a lot of ways to go, but just to keep in the theme of what the deck seems to want to do, yeah, that feels good. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the lieutenant cycle cards. The right. the lieutenant for this deck is the Storm Surge Kraken. Release the Kraken. Yeah, these guys aren't very happy about the Kraken being released. No. <laughs> They're but, like, you, oh, but you will be, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you should be. It's three and two blue for a creature Kraken 5-5. Five, five. It has hexproof. It also has lieutenant. So as long as you control your commander, it gets plus two, plus two, and has whenever Storm Surge Kraken becomes blocked, you may draw two cards. So basically never block it <laughs> yeah nobody wants to block it but it does it does smash him in the face for seven if you have your general which is you know they it's can't take to too many at. of those yeah, yeah you can't take too many of those hits um, and they can't touch them either the the hex proof so the hex proof really i think it. is the best part about this yeah i agree well besides the draw two cards part the draw two cards is yes obviously <laughs> yes the thing is in a commander game you probably will have a target for to to attack with this at, at some point so i think at you know i think in an ideal world, you'll draw a ton of cards off it, but at the very least, I bet you'll draw at least two, I think, overall. See, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to say something that I hope isn't blasphemous, but I you know, I uh, appreciate that they did this, and at the same time, uh, whatever. I think that this deck specifically is better as if you buy it and you already have a few EDH decks that you're looking to make better. To supplement, yeah. Exactly, than as a deck by itself. I do think, though, that with Josh's recommendation of that other commander this could be a really bonkers deck um but someone like hit this i really like for someone like uh uh edric spy master of trust because that way if they, right they block if it or they, they don't block it they're you're drawing, drawing a card right yeah right. i think this it just doesn't it's not an enter the battlefield trigger it does draw cards so i don't think it's like one of the worst cards in the deck i think eventually though if you want to stick with this deck and really fine-tune it yeah it just doesn't have an enter the battlefield effect yeah you know and you're just generally not going to win by smashing people in the face for seven i could see it being fun with dulcet sirens though where you're like hey, hey he only has one blocker or one yeah. one blocker and you make him attack someone else and then you're like haha you're tapped now so i'm going to swing at you for no but you don't want him to be tapped you like it's a weird card you want him to block it so you can draw two cards oh that's right that's right yeah. oh, you know what or oh, yeah, take right. it to the face i mean seven to the face or draw two that's cards right. that's what i mean it's, it's either way is, it's again good, yeah. it's another one-on-one -on -one card to me yeah yeah, um, yeah. because absolutely yeah because one -on -one. if you've got three players you're playing against hitting one of them for seven is just not gonna get you there it's fine it's not bad it's just like i don't know would you rather play a card that costs five and draws you just four cards or something like you can get that yeah so there you know it's fine but if what you want to do is draw cards there's better cards for that and if yeah. what you want to do is smash them in the face there's probably better cards for that again i think it's fine i just don't think it's it it, it it's a weird it's weird when you get creatures that say build around me that aren't commanders because it's like i don't want to build around you get out of here storm surge kraken <laughs> like i'll play jace's ingenuity and draw three cards for the same amount of mana I wonder if you put this with uh, whenever Storm Surge Kraken becomes blocked, you may draw two cards. I'm not a judge. If somebody blocked it with three creatures, would you draw six cards? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it triggers once. Just if you get blocked once. Yeah. Because it becomes blocked. I think because no all the blocked creatures Otherwise, you could put like a lure on it or oh, Roar yeah. of the Challenge. Oh, man. And then you'd just be yeah. like, okay, how, you've got a token deck. I'm going to draw 27 cards. Yeah, I think it's because all the blockers are assigned at the same time. 27 cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, tokens only count as half creatures, right? Right. <laughs> there you go. Right. My bad. Uh, 
so let's talk about the other uh, the other special mentions here, which is intellectual offering. It's oh, yeah, the group the... hug cycle. Yeah, you choose an opponent, and you choose another opponent, and two things will happen. So it's four in the blue for an instant. Choose an opponent. You and that player each draw three cards. Okay, five, okay. For, five for three. It's, mm-hmm. it's about the normal cost. Choose an opponent. Untap all non-land permanents you control and all non-land permanents that player controls. Interesting. Instant See, speed. It's uh, weird. I, I really dig this because especially we've all played those games where it gets super political yeah. and someone's like, oh, attack him or blah, blah, blah. You can really surprise someone with this, which is, yeah. I think, really awesome. And you can really kind of like make a game-altering change, especially if you're playing Hidden Partners, which is something that we haven't played too much, but I used to play a lot uh, when I played at the card store. And so a card like this is perfect for Secret Partners because now... What do Secret know, Partners do, Craig? Well, Secret Partners <laughs> is when you do, you have, uh, let's say, two face-up... If you're playing a five-player game, there would be two face-up people uh, who, who would, are you know, definitely against each definitely other. Definitely against and they each both other. Have an oh, ally. it's like a subformat? Or yes, it's a, yeah. a subformat. And then three face down people. There's one lone wolf who doesn't have a partner. And then the, the three face down people know that, you know, they're against each other. And it's it's all up to teams. So let's see, there's the white team, the black team, and the lone wolf. Um, you know, something like this, if uh, one of those, yeah, one of the face up people is about to get taken out, one of the face down people could then play this and be like, Haha, we both draw three cards and you, you can, can untap all you your can blockers. actually block all yeah. your all the guys coming your way. Interesting. That's what I think is actually interesting is the uh, idea of because the draw three cards is clearly something you want and you don't really want to give that to somebody. This deck is not really well suited to untap all my non land permanents, which is basically creatures. Yeah. Because you're gonna have a, a few big creatures, not a bunch of little ones. Um, which means in a lot of instances, eh, that's going to do something, but it's not going to do something amazing. But you can really be like, oh, I'm going to draw three cards. You're, somebody else is going to draw three cards. But you do it in the middle of an attack where one of your opponents is attacking another opponent. Yeah. And you blow them both out. You, or, or, sorry, you blow the one out, you know, because you're like, oh, you know, now you can block them and you can destroy the creature that, and they didn't see it coming. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's your turn next. Now you have three extra cards. I mean, you can do it with yours too, but it's just the the availability of doing it is a lot more when there's interaction between other players Absolutely. involved. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's just okay, though. I agree. Very much just okay. But I also it's see this situational. as interesting addition to something like Niv-Mizzet where you're trying to make people draw, draw cards. cards. Yeah, right, that's right. true. Yeah, I think the application for other decks is a better, th- again, than this deck. Um, and yeah. who's that guy that you play? Nekosar or something? I, yeah, Nekosar. Nekosar, yeah. same it's, thing. It still wouldn't be that good. It's only like hurting one person. One, a yeah. Bit. Right. Yeah. You, and you never want this on one on This is not either. worth a card in that deck at all. I just keep going back to the green one. The green one is like green so and X. Great. Yeah. And you get X elves and 1 1 elves, and somebody else gets X 1 1 elves. And, and you, you get an get XX, XX yeah. tree folk creature, and somebody else gets an XX tree folk creature. So you play that for 20 mana, you get 20 elves and a 20 20. Yeah. Especially this thing draws the... three cards and untaps stuff. Like it's not <laughs> even on the same power. It's not even close. It's yeah. like. It's crazy. Not like, to mention the green deck specifically synergizes with that because you're going to be able to tap other elves for mana depending on how many elves you have in play. So you right. can like do that and then like, great, now I'll tap this elf and get 20 mana back or whatever. Exactly, because you have the ability to create so much mana and yeah. it just totally, yeah. I, I can't help but think they gimped the uh, blue deck a little bit on purpose because the blue is such a powerful color throughout yeah. the history of magic that it's I mean, just... they could have built this deck to be a beating, you know, yeah. I mean, we were playing the other night, and uh, we were playing with a friend, uh, Alex, who's been on the show, Kessler, and he has a tsunami in his deck, and that just shows you a tsunami destroys all islands. That's mm-hmm. all it does. That just shows you how powerful blue is. That he feels he can draw, he can have a card in his deck that destroys all islands. That's 
going to literally be worthless sometimes. But he knows that blue is so powerful, it's just prevalent in the format. Yeah, it's uh, worth a slot. That it's Which, worth a slot in his deck, yeah. And I think there's also, you know, us saying that blue is the strongest color in Magic is absolutely true. And we all know that mono blue is, unlike some of the other colors, kind of not fun to play against. Which I think they <laughs> really, they answered that problem, I think, right. in this deck in that... This seems like something that's not a hassle to play against, but is still yeah. possibly. Yeah, it's got the blue hey, That's a really good point because they didn't put a bunch of counter spells in it. They didn't yeah. put a bunch of the of uh, of uh, control magic stuff. They mm -hmm. didn't put a bunch of the stuff that people hate to play against. That's actually that's a really good point. Yeah. So good job on that front, Wizards. But you also made this deck weak, and we can't like. I see. I love it because I, I have a bunch of can... decks that I'm looking at a bunch of these cards like, oh, that'd go well in this deck. Yeah. And, oh, well, so that'd think, go well yeah, in this. Definitely... You know what? I think we have to do probably a couple episodes down the road of like taking the cards out of all these decks and what decks Where they, they might go, go into. into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So well, if you want to be Stitcher Garoff about the. Uh, about the blue deck and tear it apart, then Stitcher Girl would definitely go perfectly Wait, in a black. Gerolf. Oh, that's right. Stitcher Jerry. I'm Jerry. saying you are Stitcher Jerry and you're taking this deck and you're stitching parts of this onto other decks. Oh, Stitcher wow. Jerry should the definitely flavor. go, yeah, the definitely go the in flavor. a black deck so then he can recur those things that he threw in the graveyard. <laughs> okay, yeah. so going back to this deck, let's talk about the best cards. Uh, Craig, what do you think the best card is? Cyclonic Rift is like <laughs> a, in every deck that every every blue deck that I have has Cyclonic Rift in it. It's it the, is it amazing. Deck, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's the best answer. It's as, as an instant for returning everybody else's stuff. Like especially late game when somebody's like, "I swing for the win." You're like, yeah. "Ha ha!" No, you don't. You want to read yeah. it? Uh, yeah, it has an overload cost. Cyclonic Rift is a blue card, blue instant, one blue, one other, return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Uh, it has an overload cost of one blue and six other. You may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all instances of target with each. Ugh. So, so it, it says, if you play the overload cost, which is seven mana, it says... Return each, each. non-land permanent you, you don't, don't control, control to its owner's hand. Oh, what a you blowout. don't control. It's crazy. So yeah. it returns everybody else's permanence to their hands, but not yours. But not yours. You yours keep everything on the board. seven mana, too. It's insanity. The freaking, yeah. And it's an instant. The freaking eight, uh, the eight mana commander costs more than that. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> one of the single best blue commander cards. Yeah, uh, There were a lot of ways that they could have made this a lot more fair by making it a sorcery right, or making right. it your stuff as well. But they were like, no, let's just give blue like the best card. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing card. There's so many times when you play this card and you just kind of win because the tempo right. lost by everybody else is so great. They might... You know, well, you, they have to discard, too, sometimes, because yeah. their hands are huge now. Usually, you, you bounce all their stuff back to their hand, you attack somebody, either kill them or almost kill them, and then they all play one thing. <laughs> and then you're like, my board's the same, kill you. Yeah. You know? Not to mention, if they're like a token deck, see ya. Oh, yeah. All yeah. that stuff is just gone. The yeah. only way they I've seen people survive after a Cyclonic Rift is if the stuff getting bounced up to their hand is like a soul ring, a, you know, yeah. a bunch of mana yeah. rocks. So they're like, next turn, they're like, all my mana rocks are back out. Yeah, you can still toss it back out. And you um, can toss your water bottle like right off the table. Yeah. That's right. He cyclonic <laughs> rifted it off the table. I'm so mad. So that's an amazing card. Cyclonic uh, rift clearly is. Yeah. The, just look into this card if you are playing blue in the deck. You'll probably put it in there. The next best card is I don't know. Possibly my favorite card after counterspell. It's Mold Drifter. Four and a blue for a creature and elemental two two flyer. When Moldrifter enters the battlefield, draw two cards. Sounds good to me. It also has Evoke for two and a blue. 
that means you can cast this spell for its evoke cost if you do sacrifice it when it enters the battlefield. So you can make it into a divination if you right. have to in, in dire straits. But generally, you just play it for five, and you get a 2-2 two, two flyer, and you draw two cards. Which is pretty great. Best thing ever. Yeah, not to mention, it's all about bouncing this guy. It's all about recurring him or creating copies of him. Uh, Muldrifter just screams value. You yeah. Know, at the end of the day, you get to draw cards, and you know if you have enough mana, you get to have a little flyer that's sitting out that can chump block for you or just be the target of a bounce or whatever. Or if you have Sakashima as your general, then all of a sudden you play Perfect. Sakashima, yeah. copy the Muldrifter, draw two more cards, and bounce Sakashima back to your hand, then play Sakashima again, yeah. draw two more cards. Like That's the kind of broken stuff you can do with Muldrifter. Um, it just gives you options in case you don't have any other big plays in your hand or whatever. Yep. And worst case scenario, you play it out, draw two cards, block something big, survive a little bit longer, and you have more gas in your hand. So. Yeah. Pretty solid. Uh, it, it is, it's as good as it gets. All right, next up, we got Rite of Replication. Two and two blue. Uh, sorcery. All right, finally. Sorcery speed. Kicker, five. So you may pay an additional five as you cast this spell. Put a token that onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature. So for just four mana, that's It's okay. a clone. It's, it's fine. It's a clone, yeah. yeah. If Rite of Replication was kicked, put five of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So for five more mana, you get four more copies of something? Yeah. Which is insane because if you think about it, it's like, okay, if I played four or five red replications, that would be 16 or 20 mana. Right. But you can pay nine instead and get so many just by kicking it. I mean, even if you just copy a Moldrifter five times. Oh, my gosh. You draw 10 cards and you have five 2-2 flyers out. That's pretty good. And that's... Moldrifter's not the best card to do this to. No. You can do this to... There's a lot of cards in this deck you can do this to. For instance... The next card, we mentioned it earlier. It's Hoverguard Sweepers, 6 and 2 blue for a creature drone, 5-6 flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you may return up to two target creatures to their owner's hand. Could you imagine ride replication this? Because that's 8 mana. You'd be able to ride replication this in the next turn. You yep. could you could bounce everyone's creatures back to their hands, including your own that you want to play again. Yeah. Or just, yeah, you can bounce 10 things. And then... You're also left over with five, five, six flyers. Actually, six because you have the original. Yeah, yeah and so you can actually that's bounce. thirty power in the air. You probably can just kill. You bounce somebody's stuff, and then you could probably just kill them. Yeah, you could also just bounce this back to your hand too and play it again next turn. Bounce two more things. Yeah, yep. It's yeah. um that combo and that type of combo, right of replication. One of your big into the battlefield guys is what I think. That's sort of the win condition. Yeah, you know the big flashy kill everybody win condition that the deck has. Um. But you can also just do right of replication for value. So there's a lot of enter the battlefield creatures. We're going to mention more. Uh, you can just really trigger that a lot, get a lot of value off it. You know, maybe it doesn't kill everybody right then, but you you're just, you know, if you draw twelve cards, you know, off you're of going to be so you're yeah. just in really good shape. Yeah. yeah. So um, another card that we should mention as a special mention that I think is a really awesome card is Reform. When you get the tokens for this deck, you'll see why this is so great. At first, it's just a three and one blue for an O one. So, wah, wah. Uh, it's a creature worm, but when Reform dies, put a 3-3 blue fish creature token on the battlefield with, when this creature dies, put a 6-6 blue whale creature token on the battlefield with this, with, when this creature dies, put a 9-9 blue kraken <laughs> creature token on the battlefield. So, so, basically, every time you kill it, it gets bigger. It levels up. Yeah. Yeah. I Would, love it. I love it, too, because for four mana, you get three, six, you get... 18 power <laughs> and they just you know they're gonna board wipe and you're gonna still have something and then yeah. we're gonna do board wipe again and you're gonna still have something and like it's 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 really cool card. yeah essentially no one's ever going to single target this or they'd have to exile yeah they have to exile exile for the most or part. bounce yeah yeah 
bounce I, the I tokens. I think what would happen is that he's just going to sit around until someone does a big board wipe effect or like a thing that gives everything minus 10, minus 10 or whatever, you know, and like But that's things. still, it'll die. And exactly. And it'll come yeah. back as the big thing. Yeah. yeah. But so essentially like it, it has staying power and it's going to stay around for a while. It's just a really cool commander card. because Which by the way, if you write a replication of that thing, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you write a replication that, and then you're Put just immune outlet. to board wipes. Not even immune. It's like they can't board wipe because instead of a bunch, instead of six three threes, you're going to have six six sixes. Yeah. And then they can't board wipe because instead of six six sixes, you're going to have six nine nines. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I like this with the, with the sack outlet as well. Yeah. So you can also get extra mana and then make all your low guys into nine nines. I think that's one of the best, commander wise, one of the best blue cards ever printed. It's because it's sweet. it's so easy to take advantage of. There's a, commander for me is all about taking advantage of things and building something that you can do a lot of different cool things. And there are a lot of different cool things you could do with that. That you guys just went over a bunch of them. Yeah. All right. Cage Sun is another honorable mention. Oh yeah. Um, and this is a really great card for commander too because it, it doesn't. Uh, a lot of these mana doubler cards uh, often affect your opponents as well if they're tapping their lands for that same amount of mana. Cage Sun is one of the very few that doesn't. Uh, it's a six drop artifact. As it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control the chosen color get plus one plus one. So obviously blue. Uh, whenever a land's ability adds one or more mana the chosen color to your mana pool, add one additional mana of that color. Cage Sun is the better version of Gauntlet Power, as far as I'm concerned. Gauntlet Power is cheaper, costs five, but it uh, the difference in mana is not that important. Yeah, and and it affects everyone. So if you Gauntlet Power and did blue, anyone that had blue would also be able to tap blue and gotcha. get twice as much. But Cage Sun uh, keeps it as as just you, which is really sweet. Cage Sun, I, I like to have it in pretty much all of my monocolor decks, and blue is you know the one that it happens the most in. I, don't, I think it's a perfect addition to Talran, but. For this deck, I'm sure it works very well trying to get big creatures out. Uh, and the last card we want to talk about under best cards is a new land called Arcane Lighthouse. It is, you can tap it for uh, one colorless, or you can tap one colorless and tap Arcane Lighthouse. And until end of turn, creatures your opponents control lose hexproof and shroud and oh. can't have hexproof or shroud. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a very, very cool card. Um, this is going to be a staple in a lot of decks, I think, now. I'm going to buy one for Whisper all of Silk decks. Cloak and... Um, Swiftfoot Boots. Swiftfoot Boots. Lightning and just, Graves. Yeah. There's just so much, like, Voltron-y, Protect My general type stuff, and just being able to strip them of all that protection and yeah. then kill yeah. it. Forget that. I mean, just Sigarda. That's, like, Sigarda. Yeah, Sigarda. <laughs> Sigarda, as a commander, is unbeatable sometimes if you don't have the right toolbox of stuff. Um, and the nice thing about this, too, is because you can do it at instant speed. It, you know, you could wait until someone else's turn, and they untap and, like, hey, do you have a removal spell? Great. I tap two mana. Go for it. Take out this thing that's been terrorizing yeah, the board. You can, you can team up with somebody to sort of, even if you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, really good point. I mean, very often you run to that thing where it's like, okay, guys, well, I can steal his his boots for one turn. But he'll get it back next turn. So if you guys can do anything, please do it. Uh, and then you do it, and like ultimately no one can help out. And yeah, you, someone's like, "Oh, what I have is a sorcery that would not work right now." Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Make sure you really discuss that with the table before you do a, a move. Like, yeah, take their yeah. swift or take their um, lightning greaves, and then nobody can kill it right then. And then they just take their lightning greaves back. Yep. It happened last night. It happened. Yep. It's exactly <laughs> what happened, and it was very sad. <laughs> and poor Kessler played probably his least favorite game of. Magic magic in a while i think <laughs> it was is, too, it, is it, it was, is it is it evil that i took sick joy in that 
No, no, that was great. no. I think you should have it, taken. That's what commander. That's what commander is all about. If it came sometimes. down to two v two, and it was like two. It's like if I'm not gonna oh, win, I'm so gonna make control. you suffer. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of control in that game. Um, so I think the blue deck has a lot of really single strong cards, um, and, and not to mention it's also got a bunch of like staples, like Mold Drifter, obviously. The Lighthouse is is super good. So is Cyclonic Rift. So. It's got a lot of really strong individual cards. They just don't really mesh well together, and that's a theme that we're going to see. I think there's a way to make them mesh well. Like, Rider yeah. Replication and Moldrifter, they do work together. They do, you know? but if so. you're just playing this out of the box, I think you're going to have a lot of trouble. Because if you draw just all your big dorks and you don't get any like of your mana ramps or if you don't get any of your Rider Replications, then your deck just sort of falls flat in its that face. That is need, one of the problems with deck like this. Um, you need a healthy combination of yeah. everything. Oh Well, let's move along here. Let's let's yeah. talk about the worst cards. Um card i don't like uh it's not that i don't like the card i just think that in this deck there's there's easily replace it's easy to replace this effect with sort of a strictly better version is call to mind call to mind is two in a blue for a sorcery it says return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand now you you have instants and sorceries um it's not that the effect is bad i just think you can just easily switch this out for an archaeomancer mnemonic wall Mm -hmm. a creature that comes in and does the same ability. Like, an Archaeomancer costs one more blue mana. So it's one more mana. You get a creature with it. It's not that I care about having a 1-2. It's that I want to be able to bounce that 1-2 back to my hand and play it again and get another instant or sorcery out of the graveyard. Or I want to Sakashima, copy it, get another instant or sorcery out of my hand. Like, if I play Call to Mind, that's it. I do that once. But if I play Archaeomancer, I have a chance to repeatedly use that ability. So that's a card that I just think, you know, easily re- upgraded. Easy to upgrade. That's a great point. I'm surprised they didn't do that with this deck, especially with how reliant on creatures it is, or it's you know it seems to be. I think um, they don't want you to just buy it and then you don't have to do right. any work to it, right? right. They yeah. want to give you, you know, a perfect a outlet playable. to spend money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They want, and also like that's part of the fun of Magic. It's it's you know, uh, I, yeah. I'm sure there are people out there that like to just not deck build, but deck building is as much a part of the game as the playing of the game. And so for some people, that's actually the part they enjoy the most. The most, yeah. So you want to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Craig has more decks than you could hold in your both hands. <laughs> I love putting them together. I love yeah. finding new synergies that I didn't know existed before and yeah. looking through like tappedout.net and being like, oh my God, that's perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they want to, it's it's good. They're playing, you know, they're, they're designing it to their customer base and, you know, they don't want to give you a product that's like, you shouldn't be touching. They want to give you a product that's like a stepping stone. Yeah. And then you can take it in these different directions and you can make the decisions and you can make the choices. And and, and, and so... I love monocolored decks. I think it's such a great... Too. It is the perfect stepping stone, I think, because it's also like if, you, if someone's just playing again for the first time in many years... There's no easier way than just be like monocolored. Don't worry about mana. Don't worry about all these it's other way things. Way less complicated. It's way less complicated, yeah. but it can also be equally tough. Okay, well, let's continue. Uh, more in the worst card category, the cards we don't like and would definitely Fog take Bank. Out. This is a card that I put in my first commander deck, and I looked in and was like, this is sweet. It's one in a blue for a 0-2 defender with flying. Prevent all combat damage that will be dealt to and dealt by Fog Bank. So, it seems like it seems cool. Yeah. I, I got to admit, I remember when you had that in your deck and being like, I just can't get around this Fog Bank. <laughs> like, yeah. I just couldn't kill it. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, it does die to removal, and it's really sweet if you're going, like, one-on-one versus a Voltron commander. So if you're like, block your cigar, that, block your cigar, that, block your cigar, that. Yeah, but, and they're like, crap, I have no answer for that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's That's like, rare, though. We get more than two people what? at the table, then it's like, block your cigar, that die to you. Oh, Fog Bank. Yep. It's not Board so hot anymore. 
Yeah. Or Anything, I have really. I whisper silk cloak and I'm just unblockable. And then yeah. what are you doing? I like, have five yeah. creatures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I have two creatures. <laughs> oh, crap. Stupid fog, fog bank. Dang fog bank. Yeah. I just, I, I think easily replaceable in the deck with something that gives you an enter the battlefield effect. Yeah, that you like can a baleful, baleful Strix. Yeah. Is that the one that draws you a card when it comes in? Oh, I don't think it's mono blue. But yeah, there's a lot of other two drops that, that do more fun stuff. Yeah. There's a ton. Yeah. It just doesn't do that much. Yeah. You know? And you don't even need to be a creature. You know, you could replace it with a spell, a bounce spell. True. Uh, you want to read the last card we, we think is the worst? Card? Yeah. So the last one's Turn to Frog, which. It's not the last one. We think a lot of their cards, we're just not going to talk about every card in the deck. So. Yeah, exactly. And these are the three kind of worst ones. Uh, and this Turn to Frog is a instant for one blue and one other. Until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a blue fl- frog with base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. This card is great if another card that didn't exist that costs one more blue mana and says essentially Cyclonic Rift version, which is each creature becomes well, a 1-1. It's, one, it's one. target opponent. Of target, target opponent, opponent right? yeah. But you can turn... So, yeah, what Jimmy's saying is there's another card called Polymorphous Jest. It costs one more blue mana, and it turns one target opponents, all their creatures into 1-1 one, one frogs. Yeah. So you might as well just play that for one more mana because... Yeah. It's way more effective than this sort of one-for-one. One. Like, turn to frog's great as a battle trick. Oh, you're attacking with your big guy. Turn him to a 1-1 one, one and block with anything, and he yeah. dies. But it's much better as a, as a big combat trick because then you can combo it off with something else that, you know, might be able to bounce, you know, or just do one damage across the board to a lot of things. You know, it, there's just a lot more. And also, like... The fact that it turns off abilities and stuff too is That's much more favorite. effective. Yeah, when you can do it to all their creatures instead of just one. That's I my favorite part about that. card. One of the things I don't like about Turn to Frog in EDH is just a lot of times it it will be a wasted card. Like you'll turn their thing into frog, thinking I'm going to block them, and they'll be like, "Okay, I'll maze of with my own guy, and I'll wait till next turn when he turns when he's not a frog anymore, or he'll do something, you know, something else." So it's just eh, it doesn't always kill something. Sometimes it just like buys you one turn. And I think, like, uh, it's also very versatile because of what Jimmy just mentioned about losing all abilities. Like, when I use a card like this, I will typically use it on something to give it... It's not indestructible anymore. Right, right, right. And uh, as an instant, that can be used. I mean, obviously, they put it in here. I'm not saying there's no uses. Yeah, if they've got an Avacyn out, the original Avacyn, not the new one. Right, right. You cast that on her, and all of a sudden, all their stuff's not indestructible, and then you board wipe. But you're in blue. Yeah. You yeah. are going to board wipe them. You are going to Cyclonic Rift them. Now, if you're teaming up with somebody else, listen, you can use it. Like I said, I just think the application is nar- more narrow than you, Actually, you can find something that's wider. And interesting to, you know, what you just brought up, I think an, an interesting, you know, switch out for this would be something like Boomerang or something like that. So yeah. instead of that, you bounce it up to their hand. At least that always yeah. does what you want it to do. It always returns it to their hand, like, right. you know, barring getting countered or something. Yeah, this sometimes turns their thing into a frog, and then, okay, they just don't do what they were going to do, and they just wait till next turn to do it. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, how it goes. All right, well, let's talk about some cards you might add to this deck to make it, uh, to make to pimp it out just a little bit. And uh, again, we're keeping it to a budget. We want to keep things under $5 or less. They might go a little bit above or below. The variance is there. But we want to just make sure that... We're not going to talk about a bunch of, like, $30 cards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the beauty of Magic is that there's a wide enough... I mean, the idea of popper decks and 75% decks exists, and they're super effective. Uh, and so there are going to be lots of cards in the history of Magic that cost not that much and are able to make a huge effect on your deck i think of all the decks this one actually has the most room to be improved for the least amount of money because it does need that improvement but there's a lot of cards in blue that do what you need to do like these big 
tempo-y creatures that cost a lot of mana, they're not expensive because they don't get played in Legacy or anything. And then a lot of the stuff that like sort of bounces that stuff and lets you replay it is not expensive stuff. So when, what you're going to start getting into is you want to get into like really expensive counter spells and the stuff that's Legacy playable from Blue, like Force of Wills and stuff. That's where you're going to get into the, like the realm of like, okay, now yeah. I'm spending like $75 for this yeah. card. And you, yeah. know, you don't need to for the way that this deck is constituted. Yeah, exactly. Especially like one card in here, like don't play Force of Will, play Swan Song. Yeah. It's a single blue mana counter target spell. It's control that puts a 2 2 bird into play that has or, flying. Or foil, which is in this deck in, in mono blue, just as good as Force of Will in, in a lot of respects, mm-hmm. and a free counter spell, which is what you want. So there's a lot of sort of budget stuff you, you can add to this deck to make it a lot better. Um, the first thing I want to say is Vidalcan Orrery. Um, right. I'm also going to put Leyline of Anticipation in there. there. You might even play both. They basically let you play any of your cards at flash speed. Yeah. So this is really important to me because I have entered the battlefield effects on creatures. So I want to be able to do those on other players' turns. Also, Rite of Replication is a million times more powerful if you do it on the end step before your turn. Because not only do I cast five copies of something and then use their enter the battlefield trigger to like disrupt everybody else out there, but then I can also they have virtual haste. Because yeah. then it's my turn right after that. And they don't have summoning sickness because I cast them before my turn. Yeah. So I think it's really important to be able and 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 blue is the draw go color. So it's the you want even your draw spells. Like if you're gonna draw five cards, you don't want to do it during your turn. Because you, you're not gonna be able you to might p- counterspell something, yeah. you might, you know, or even the threat of counterspell, like you're in blue. So if you just have three mana available, people, people will slow down, yeah. They'll often be like, I'm gonna play my second best thing. I'm not gonna play my best thing because I don't want it to get countered. And then on the end step, being able to be like, okay, well, nothing important happened. I'll play Moldrifter. is very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, the nice thing is, too, is yeah, you always want to leave mana open as blue uh, because a lot of times, let's say you do, you have like six mana. Playing a Moldrifter and drawing two cards, you're not going to be able to do anything else that turn. So right. you may as well wait to the most optimal moment to do it and ha- and have threat of activation up. So if you have any kind of mana up, people will look at that and think twice or just at least act a little bit differently because you are able to interact with their board in a way that they cannot necessarily predict. But And the thing is, like, if you don't have a Dalkinori or Leyline of Anticipation and you just hold up mana for a counterspell and nobody plays anything you want to counter and then it comes to your turn and, and, and on the end step before your turn, you, don't, you can't do anything, you just wasted a whole turn. Yeah. Because you purposely didn't play anything because you wanted to counter something, but then nobody played anything you wanted to counter, and so you did nothing for your turn. So being able to do something... Oh, nothing important happened. I want to counter, or I want to, you know, do something else about. Okay, then I will still, I still got my turn because I still played my Moldrifter, or I still played, you know, one of my other cards with an end of battlefield effect, or even just a vanilla creature would still be fine because at least you did something for that turn. And then you, your turn comes, and you draw your card, and you say draw go, and 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 you know you do it again. It's very powerful. Blue is really good at this, and blue is such a draw go color. And if I may say, I I would say that uh, the ley line would be my preference in this specific deck because of the sapphire medallion, right? Which makes blue spells cost one less, so it's one, it's three instead of four. And ley line also you and, put into play for free if it's in your opening hand. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would put both in because I think it's so important to what blue wants to do in a mono blue deck that I just want to make sure, I want every chance I have to get that effect. In fact, I wrote down Quicken. Quicken is a a one mana instant, one blue for an instant. And it's the next sorcery you play can be played as if it were an instant. So it gives your next sorcery flash. Mm -hmm. I would even play that card because uh, all your your, um, 
card draw spells that are sorceries, Rite of Replication, things like that. Like, it's very powerful to be able to play them as sorceries because it just allows you to draw and say go and then make your decisions, you know, when you when you know everything that's happening at the table. It's kind of like blackjack. Like, what's, <laughs> what's the house's advantage in blackjack? The house's advantage is that it goes last. Yeah. So you have to decide whether you're hitting, and if you bust... Based on limited information. Yeah, and if you bust, you lose your money even though the house hasn't even gone yet. So if you bust out, you go to 22 or 23... And then the house busts out later, you still lose your money. You don't tie. So that's a very powerful thing in games is when you go. You know, being having it be like the your opponents are doing stuff and you're you're going after them. Right? In in poker, the same thing happens. There's a thing we call the button, and that's the last person to act. That's the most powerful position. In poker, because you get to see what everybody else has done before you make your decision. You want to be deciding after everybody else has made their decision. Which is always, to your point, the advantage of playing blue, because you typically play a lot of counter spells, and so you'll say, play go, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, like you said, you'll wait till the end of turn, and hopefully you have some sort of flash creature or flash effect to be able to take advantage of that power position. And even, they don't know if you've got one or not. So they have to play around. Oh, that's it. the best part. Yes, I mean, exactly. pretending that you have one when you don't, yep. when you know, you know, you have some super powerful creature, maybe that you're like, oh man, I just I need two more turns to get enough mana to play this creature, but I'll fake it like I have a counter yes. spell, yes. so nobody plays something to to mess with my board. I mean, in fact, unlike every other deck, every other mono deck, like how you play this deck, like yes. what your posture is at the table is probably the most important to this yeah. deck than any of the, the other The best colors. card in this deck is your face. How good is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the best card in this deck is your face. No, it's, That is a quote of the day right there. <laughs> it's a really, really good point. Even if you don't have a counterspell, if somebody casts something and it's sort of important, be like, hold on. Don't let them just resolve it. Be like, hold on. And just go into the tank for, ten, for five seconds. You know, just be like, all right, all right, it resolves. Yeah. And then everybody else after that will be like, oh, crap, he's got a counterspell. Got I got to think yeah. about it. Like, I'm not going to just cast my most important thing. I'll, I'll cast something less important. And you could have a, la- of, a, of a hand of lands. Yeah, they don't know. They, they don't no know. Idea. Yep. So that's, that's, it's very, that's very, very powerful. And Leyline of Anticipation, Vidalcan Ori, yeah. Quicken to a lesser extent. There's other effects that, that do this type of thing. I think it's very important. So I would definitely, I would definitely add that to this deck. Definitely. Uh, another good card, Mimic Vat. Uh, this is in my Kiki Jiki deck as well because that that deck wants to essentially bust out Enter the Battlefield effects. And Mimic Vat is a great way of doing it. It's also just a great way to just steal someone else's creature. And and this is blue. This has... I. So it doesn't technically steal it. It just lets you use a copy of it. It steals right. it kind of because it, it exiles, exiles it. it when it, it gets exiles out. It yeah. under it I mean, for it doesn't a while. steal a card that's in play. Right, 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 right. right. So Mimic Vat's three drop artifact has imprint. Whenever a non-token creature is put into a graveyard from the outfield, you may exile that card, and then you can return each other card exile with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard. So you can do this to any number of creatures. You only get to have one under Mimic Vat at any time. And then for three and tapping it, you could put the token on the battlefield as a copy of that card. And sometimes, like, the nice thing about Mimic Vat is you're playing against a deck that, let's say, Shieldred or Carador, where they're gra- graveyard recurring or something like mm-hmm. that. So, or even but the they, black deck. The black mono deck, yeah. Just the Absolutely. mono black deck, yeah. Yeah, and uh, something like that where with Mimic Vat, now they can't access that for at least as long as you have it in under the Mimic Vat. Yeah, that's a little confusing. Um, just to re-explain, what happens is if something goes to the graveyard, you can choose to imprint it on Mimic Vat. And a cr- then a non-token you, creature you can only have one non-token creature imprinted on Mimic Vat at a time. Yeah. So if you had something already imprinted and then something else comes in and you want that, then you have to put the old one back into their graveyard. 
So that now they have access to that. So you can't just sort of like hide <laughs> all their creatures from in their graveyard yeah. away and they can never get them back. Mimic Vet isn't big enough yeah. to hold more than one guy. I think it's really good in this deck though because your guys, you yeah. have big yeah. seven, eight, nine casting cost creatures with huge enter the battlefield effects and Mimic Vet allows you to just put one out every turn. And, For three mana. And copy yeah. that enter the battlefield effect. So Hoverguard Sweepers, which we talked about earlier, bounces two creature cards or right. bounces two things back to their owner's hand. If you do that every turn, you can literally just make it so somebody just can't make any headway. They just can't play out three things in a turn, so then nothing ever sticks. Yeah, you know, it's it's great in one on one, but it's also great in multiplayer too, uh, just to be able to constantly, you know, reuse your end of the battlefield effects. So does it have to be? It has to be from the va- battlefield, right? So yeah. Like yes. Jerry, having Jerry as your general would not make this I know, card it super work yeah. that way. Yeah, it should work that way. But you know. well, you know, it doesn't for a reason, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It would be broken. With well, a whole especially lot with like the new Jace and stuff like that, yeah. and how I wanted them to word this to fairy. Yeah. In, in yeah. general, anytime it's an effect that if when something hits the graveyard, almost always it's from the battlefield. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes an incredibly powerful card. Right. Because there's so many other ways to get stuff into your bin. Well, in the old days of Magic, we used to do this thing where you would draw your first card for the turn and you would play no lands, and so you'd have eight cards, and then you'd discard oh, some huge creature. Mm-hmm. And because and then you would just and play, then you'd play, play, and then on turn two, you'd animate. Like reanimate, yeah. And so on turn two, you could get out like an 8-8, eight, eight, you know, and because the cards weren't worded that way. So they sort of ratcheted up that wording so you can't do shenanigans like that anymore. Yeah. Although you can still use animate dead if you want to. It still exists, and it's legal. I never even thought about that play. I'm always like, why would you not play a land on your first turn? I remember getting in huge arguments because the internet didn't exist in uh, 1994. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> no rules. Yeah, and it was so like Scry like, Magazine says, and Inquest. <laughs> Inquest. It says... You know, blah blah blah. It doesn't say discarded. It says you know. Yeah. It, but I, it just well, says in the graveyard. It's in the graveyard. It doesn't the game doesn't care how it got there? And then know? their counter argument. But it's not fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Take seven, man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, um, Craig. You had some uh, good additions as cards that you wanted to put in as well. Why don't you talk about some of your favorite counter spells? Uh, some of my favorite counter spells are you know one that I mentioned earlier, Foil, which is a very inexpensive uh, free counter spell where you discard an island and another card, uh, and you can cast Foil for free. Um, otherwise, That's cool. can you get a Foil Foil? You can, and I want one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a mini Force of Will. Uh, Force of Will forces you to um, discard, exile a blue card from your hand. Foil is actually kind of nice because you can just discard an island and any other card. It doesn't need to necessarily be a blue permanent, so that's actually kind of nice. Hmm, good good free counter there. There's also Hinder, um, which essentially is a tuck spell, and it's used as a tuck spell more than anything else because... Well, it's a counter tuck. It's a counter tuck, right. You pay three mana, one and two blue, and you put the creature or spell on the bottom or top of this owner's library instead you of You counter graveyard. the spell and yeah. then put it on the bottom of the library. Yeah, yeah so you can just spell take Spell is basically the same thing. Yeah, you yes. can just take a commander and tuck it on the bottom, yeah. uh, which is really crazy, uh, and it's a really powerful counter spell. That's why it's not... <laughs> it's actually like $3 for an uncommon, yeah. which is crazy. Spell Crumple is not super cheap either, but yeah. both of those are super powerful because so many commander decks, if they don't have their commander, they just... The deck does not... doesn't function, yeah. yeah. So those are totally shut down certain decks. Um... Mystical Tutor I wanted to talk about, which is a tutor spell cost one blue. It lets you go search your library for an instant or sorcery and put it on top of your library. Um, it is spell disadvantage or card disadvantage because... It's you, spell advantage. Yeah, it's <laughs> spell advantage, but card disadvantage because you played a card, but it puts that card on the top of your library, so you have to draw it next turn. Yeah. Um, but you've got tons of card draw, and also like you can go find your best thing. And what I think this is really going to be used for is go find the right of replication so I can try and win. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's a big deal. And I also like Merchant Scroll, which is like that, but it lets you only just go find an instant. An instant. Yeah. But worst case scenario, you just go find the Mystical Tutor because it's an instant, and then go find the Sorcerer yeah. if you want. If you, Not if to you mention you're going to be playing this on someone else's end step, so it's one blue. You're going to play it right before you draw that card. Yeah. It's you, still card disadvantage, but... Yeah. Yeah, you... Most of the time, you don't care. Exactly. Especially if you're getting Rite of Replication. That's a freaking five for one. Well, I, so, think, I think it's only instance. So Rite of Replication is sorcery, right? Well, Mystical Tutor. Mystical Tutor can go. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Merchant Scroll only gets an instant, but yeah. like I said, Merchant Scroll for the Mystical Tutor, if the, what you want is the Rite of Replication. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and there's other instances and sorceries you might want. I just which yeah. I think a few other counter spells that uh, you would definitely want to consider in this deck are a counter spell. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, rewind. Yeah, um, I don't think this wants to be a, a big counter spell deck though. Right. Because, but you should have a couple counter spells. Yeah, in I there think regardless. I think spell crumple hinder, maybe swan song or foil. Yeah. I think you, and and original counter spell like four. Yep. I think four or five are good. Because well, the thing is, if you're going to be playing Leyline and Vidalk and Orrery, you're going to want to have other options to leave mana up for. Right, so, but your card draw spells can be that, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, it, it's just, it, this deck isn't really situated to be a full-on control deck. So if you're going to, like, dedicate a lot of slots to counter spells, what are you taking away from? You're taking probably away from your win condition. And then it's like, well, I'm going to counter everybody's stuff, but then how do I win? Right, right. You know? but, but part of the win condition is making it to the late game when you're able to do this stuff. So if it really is, like, if there is a deck that, like, destroys, there's a card that destroys its deck, you have to at least know that out of the 199 cards that six or seven of them are counter spells, so you can reliably draw at least one to stop it. Yeah, in that case yeah, that yeah. I, I'd, say, I'd say five is probably the spot where you want to be. About, and I would, I would even make the argument for Rewind over, over Swan Song. For right. for the only thing that the the blue bird as a two two flyer is somewhat powerful, like you know they can have equipment really? that they can. So I you get you you swan song me the other night and gave me a two two flyer, which I then was able to choose which one of my creatures was the least good, which I determined that the two two flyer was. <laughs> I sacked that. And then I got another a four five flyer that gave me an extra ability into play. Yeah, but I mean. The it just gave me a, stopped, it just gave me another option if right, you had, the thing if that you had I stopped rewinded for me one mana right was way worse than what happened over the course of the next four right. turns also with something like rewind with uh with the um medallion and the cage sun you can now right, you, you can get untap gain mana from you that. gain mana from that right rewind yeah, by true. the way is counter target spell two and two blue and you untap up to four lands right but it costs four so that's my point with Swan Song. Like, Absolutely, uh, the more counterspell costs, the least, the less powerful it is. Is and Swan Song non-creature? Yes, it's non-creature. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The to me, like Swan Song, I want to do a whole podcast about overperformers, but I think Swan Song is like way overperformed because two two flyer you just generally don't care about, and like you said, yeah, it leads to some sort of shenanigans after you do five things, but who cares? Like. What I need to do is stop the thing that's going to kill me right now. Yeah. And for one blue mana to be able to do that is like really powerful. Like it's close to Force of Will or Pact of Negation, which are expensive cards and yes, better, but you know, Swan Song costs like 72 cents. Like, it's tough to argue with one mana. Yeah. yeah, tough to argue with one mana as well. Um, yeah. And Rewind is a good card. I'm not saying don't put it in if you have it. I'm just saying be careful. You can easily put like it's blue. People want to put a lot of counter spells in, but you put 10 counter spells in this deck, like, 
yeah, you're going to stop a bunch of people from doing stuff, but what are you going to do? Right. And see, and I'm like, super, I, and I'm great. super Johnny. So my mind is just like on fire with all the possibilities that can happen with rewind in this deck. Right. Like, oh my god, if I have this out, then this combo happens. Right. 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 So for me, it's super fun. So I'd rather play something. I generally like, like that. things that untap stuff. Like I think Palancron wouldn't be a bad addition to this deck too, because you can bounce him. Palancron's and, great in this deck because you're using Enter the Battlefield effects. Well, yeah. I think it comes down to my Johnny personality Bouncing too. Stuff, like, what yeah. type of person are you? How are you? How do you want to build this deck? I want to build it so that I can interact with my own board a lot. Whether I win or lose, I interacted with my board. I, right. My my deck performed the way I wanted it to perform. Right, right. All right, All right. so moving on. Um, oh, another card that's like Sakashima. It's not a legendary creature, so you... Oh, right. So you can't um, use it as your general, but I think it still goes in this deck, is Mercurial Pretender. Right, which people usually think is a card that just sucks because it can only copy stuff that's on your side of the battlefield. Right. But in this case you want to rely on your battlefield more than someone else's. Right. So it copies one of your own downside. creatures and it has the same thing. You can bounce it back to your hand when you want to for a certain amount yeah. of mana. So it's just like Sakashima. It's just another effect that does that. I like the idea that you build this deck around those big creatures and then a bunch of really cool clones. Yeah. Like Mercurial Pretender, uh, Clever Impersonator. So it's like this, it's the clone deck of the four drop clones and then the eight drop monsters. Yeah, you drop like a nine drop monster and then you just last one turn and you copy that thing like four or five times. Yeah. And it has some crazy enter the battlefield effect. And not only that, and most of the enter the battlefield effects are either bounce their stuff back to their hand or tap it all and it doesn't untap. And then you just attack with all your, you know, huge creatures because you just cloned something that yeah. was an 8-8 like six times. And what I love about Sakashima above all, especially having her as the commander of a deck like this, is that you can bounce her back to your hand, which is another card that should be go in something like this, which is Capsize, which yes, then you can yes. use on your your other things and to, to bounce back. them back, yeah. buy it back, do it on other people's things. Capsize is a boomerang. It bounces a permanent back to owner's hand, but you can buy it back for more mana. So you can basically keep using Capsize once yeah. you get to five mana. For six mana. Six, six mana. mana yeah. so once you get to six mana, you can just boomerang something every turn. So it's just a way to sort of continuously use your own enter the battlefield effects, or in a pinch, you bounce one of their important things, and you can just keep doing it once you get to a certain amount of mana. This this deck yeah. is really mana hungry. That's the other thing I would say is just ramp. Whatever ramp you've got, whatever you can find, it's going to be mostly mana rocks and things like that. Like you want a lot of ramp. You want and, a lot of ramp. Yeah, and decks like this are. It's like you said earlier, Jimmy. They're tough because you get these opening hands that are like all ramp and no spells or all huge creatures and no ramp. And yeah. the thing that evens that out and and is card draw. So yeah. and and you're in blue, so you can do it. So if you draw a hand that's all ramp but one card draw spell, you're fine. Yeah. If you draw a hand that's all big creatures but a couple card draw spells, you're probably fine. Like card draw allows you to S go find game, the piece yeah. that you're missing because you need ramp and big creature. You can't or you know, you can't just have one of those things because they do nothing on their own. Yeah, or a tutor. You know, that's, I think that takes place as card draws in a way because you yeah. can find whatever find you want the, for it. Yeah, yeah, if I need ramp, I go find that. If I need... Which, yeah. to both of those, I think Fabricate is something yeah. that should be added to this because, you know, there are very few tutors in blue and Fabricate searches for an artifact, puts it into your hand for one blue and two other as a sorcery. Um, and you can search for stuff like Sapphire Medallion, which I think is the best ramp in this... Um, right, because it just makes everything cost one, one less. less. Yeah. Fabricate's awesome, yeah. I, I, 
I'll just go find Soul Ring with Soul Ring. Yeah, yeah like, Soul Ring, your Vidalcan Orrery, yeah, your yeah. assault yeah. suit, what, yeah. you know, whatever you want. In it's great, deck. yeah, because there's cards like Trinket Mage and another one that that have mana costs that are like you can only find the artifact that costs one or less or six or more. But it's Fabricate for right in the middle for three mana, you can just get anything you want. Yep. Which I think is you know interesting what they're doing with red now. You know, it seems like they're making red the artifact color, which it always has been reliant on on artifacts and whatnot. But they never made it the search for artifacts or anything right. like that, which it's Right. seems like they might be moving in that direction. It's always been very uh, traditionally blue. And well, blue there are, are the affinity colors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But and red there is a metal craft color. So right. okay. that's, I think okay. that's why they pushed it right. there. Ah, yeah. I like that. Okay. I like the idea of making this deck, uh, putting more artifacts in there, because there are also some big artifact creatures that do enter the battlefield effects. And then you could start putting in cards like Tinker, or not Tinker, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that would like be Trinket so made. sweet. Yeah. Tinker is awesome, but you can't do it. <laughs> it's kind Don't of banned. Don't cheat. Kind of please yeah. unban it, please. Trinket no Mage. Way. Trinket <laughs> Mage, yeah. And, and like you, you have ways, because that's another enter the battlefield effect you can abuse, which is great. Yep, yep. So... I think artifacts sub theme with uh, well with artifacts blue are good in all great. the mono decks right because yeah. you're in a mo one color and your color pie is really re relegated to like what that one color can do and yeah. you're weak to all these other things that the color can't do so you have to have artifacts in all of them to cover you in the areas mm -hmm. that normally I just pair it with red and then I'd be covered but I can't yeah. do that because it's monocolored and then or if you twin color. cast it or something like that you could always do you know another speaking of unbannings uh, you could always do, go with uh, metal worker oh metal worker then, that's right you know grab something else like a blight steel colossus or something <laughs> like that and be like ah, that's your we're turning play. this into a memnarch yeah. deck now. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Metalworker actually probably good in the red deck, not so much in this one. Yeah, actually. unfortunately that card went ahead and ballooned in price as soon as it yeah, got. Yeah. And I traded one away beforehand because I was like, they're never gonna Ouch. unban this thing. Look at this card, it's ridiculous, and they unbanned it. So thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> another card I wanted to mention is Glenelindra. Oh, uh, yes. we've talked about her a few times. She uh, is a two-two flyer. For one blue, you sack her and you counter, and you counter a non-creature uh, spell. Mm -hmm. And then she has persist, so she comes back you can with do a it negative one, more time. one. Yeah, you can basically counter two non-creature non spells with her. Um, but in this deck, if you can bounce her back to your hand, then oh, play her yeah. again, then the one-one counter goes away. So that's really powerful. Or you copy her with Sakashima. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's great. So actually, I don't. When he goes to the graveyard. Does he he retains. I believe he retains the text when he hits the graveyard, and then he would be. Bounce he would back come before. back as, and you could copy something else. I believe. I think. I'm not sure. Again, we're not judges, but we've that made kind rules of six. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know there. That kind of effect, though, whether it works with Sakashima or not, it works with a lot of the effects in the deck. Yeah, exactly. So I just think she's really powerful. Um, yeah, she's an auto include too, just because the the spell that's going to kill her, she can counter. Sakashima <laughs> would come back with a minus one minus one counter as whatever you wanted it to be. Excellent. And then you would bounce him back to your hand, play him again, and you're yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So good. it's it's very powerful. Glenlandra is a, a good addition to this deck. Um, yeah. And then one more, I think, is uh, back to basics. Oh, like, yeah. if you want to be like super mean, there are two cards. One this which is, is blue blood very blue. inexpensive, oh, and really? one that's very expensive that I want to bring up next. Um, like back to basics makes all uh, non basic all non basic lands. lands don't untap during their controllers untap. The steps. blue blood moon. Ugh. Yep. It's and Blood Moon, as we know, I hate, but yeah, you're playing a mono blue deck. There's no reason not to play this well, card. It's it just slightly different than Blood Moon. I mean, it keeps non basics tapped. Oh, it's different. It's it's, it's different. Right. Yeah, no, it's different, but it's doing what Blood Moon does, which is turn off a lot of their mana. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Which most of you know, anybody who's playing a three color deck, which is if you're playing from the 2011 or 2013 cycle, that's what you you're playing. rarely see more than like most people are playing a deck and. At least half of their mana is non-basic. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So 
This is turning off half their mana usually. Oh yeah, it's, it's a really good card. Super brutal. Yeah, it's a really good card. It will make people want to destroy you, but it's a really good card. <laughs> I mean, you got, I would definitely put it in. Um, and oh, then talk about the awesome expensive one. Yeah, and so there's another one that uh, you know if you've been around playing for a while, like uh, like Josh and I, or if you you know just want to like super ball out because this card also ballooned. you will ball out if you play this card. <laughs> also, yeah. you know, recently ballooned in price as well. Um, from Legends, there's a card called Invoke Prejudice, which is it costs four blue. By the way, let's just talk about the art for Invoke Prejudice. It's like Ku Klux Klan members. Dude, <laughs> the yeah, art, it's it's actually really good art for back then, though. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. It, it totally evokes what the card's all about. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's, it's four blue mana. Yeah, essentially what it says: if someone casts a spell that doesn't match the color of one of the creatures you control, creature they have, spell. a creature spell, a creature, right? They have to pay an additional X where X is the original cost of the spell. So they have to pay double, otherwise it's immediately countered. So if you're mono blue and they play a black creature, they have to pay twice as much. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, an extremely powerful card. If, it's full of prejudice. If you're in a mo- <laughs> monocolored deck, um, it's just like, oh, well, I can't cast any of my car, my creatures now. Yeah. Yeah, so, but it's like $150 or $200 or something, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's, an ex- it's $134. I, just found, I found one of these in my collection recently. Wow, how lucky. It's like hmm, fine. Great, <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah, like hey, I man. said, if you've been playing for a while for and you've <laughs> one, definitely put it in your deck if... Uh, I'm super stoked for you, actually. <laughs> your Soren's super stoked? Yeah, can I borrow it? Thanks. <laughs> if you're just looking to punish people, you know, it's like 100, 134 bucks. Yeah, it is you a know. punishing you card. Could always, you could always get a Legends one for less, or uh, an Italian one for less. There you go. So that's right. Yeah, <laughs> invoke prejudice. Yeah, invoke yeah, prejudice. Pretty sure that's that's proper. Italian. That's exactly what. Sorry it is. to any Italians who are listening. That well, was... you can t- you can comment and tell us how to correctly write down the name of it and how to pronounce it as well. Well, I we remember, won't mess it up would... next time, but this time we're gonna butcher it. <laughs> okay, so that's you know, listen. There's gonna be a lot of cards you can add. Blue, super powerful. Yeah. Um, that was just a quick overview of some stuff you can do to just quickly improve it. Uh, you know, some of the more cheaper ones will improve it by a lot. So yeah, yeah. This is a really fun deck. I think it's it's asking to get taken apart and put back together like you are the Stitcher, Jeroff, Jerry that you are. This one needs more work than the others. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I yeah. think out of the box, this is definitely a little kind of the weakest because you can have some really terrible card draws, and if yeah. you don't get a nice starting opening hand, you could just be dead in the water for like six turns. You know, I'm still not super down on it because there's that one statistic. There are 16 card draw cards. Yes, exactly. That will even out a lot of your draws. And also, there's nothing better in the world than just drawing cards when other people aren't drawing cards. Yes, yeah. Yeah. agreed. Yeah. So, good times. That's that it. That wraps up all five of our commander decks. Uh, we're we going to We're going to play them all against each other at some point, and we'll come back and talk about whether or not what we said worked out, what we found to be weaknesses that we didn't see maybe. We'll analyze it a little bit more. Um, yeah, and I think we should do a couple episodes... Uh, Craig's sort of accidentally suggested that we um, uh, talk about what you can take out and put it into other decks or build a whole other. In fact, I'm building a Titania deck, so I'll have to to report on that. Titania of Argoth, yeah. Crucible of Worlds? Crucible, of course. (laughs) Yeah, Life from the Loam. uh, Well, we'll talk about it later. Um, Craig, let's talk about your new venture. Yeah, so we're uh, doing some toy openings with uh, with Jimmy on a new channel called Toy Surprise Daily on YouTube. Let's not downplay it. We're opening a bunch of toys, and it's not just me. There's a lot of other people coming in, and toy openings are cool. They're hot. Uh, people like to watch them. I find myself watching booster pack openings, uh, and so this sort of you is see that in the one where the guy vein. opened the lotus. 
Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> that, I thought he was about to have a heart attack, man. I, I, I mean, I can't blame I him. I would too, man. Are you kidding me? $30,000 just that sitting in and hand. Didn't he get, like, not an underground sea, but he got a tropical island yeah, too? Tropical yeah, island. Yeah. Oh, my God. Next like, one of my, favorite, one of my favorite lands. Yeah, right. Blue, green. Come on. Yeah, You're come excited on. about the tropical island? There was Are a you black kidding lotus. me? Yeah, dude. There's yeah. a I would have been so happy. That thing came back great. Like I, I would have been. Like, you know what I would have said? I would have been like, "Well, like... I could use one of these in my commander deck." I'd be happier about the the basic lands because I'd be like, "Oh man, my decks are gonna be so pimped out." If you bust out a got, black lotus yeah. in the commander session, I would let you play it because I'd be like, yeah, "I've you, never seen that." Might as well have. Yeah, just just do it. Just do it. Yeah. You know what's funny about that video is my girlfriend. Like I didn't see it. My girlfriend's like, "Hey, there's something on Yahoo.com about a guy opening magic cards." I'm like, what? So what? what's crazy yeah. about that video is I had people contacting me from like, I hadn't heard from them in 10 years. They're like, yeah, I heard you were doing some stuff with magic cards. Did you hear about that guy that opened up the <laughs> alphabet? I was like, yes. Yeah. How, <laughs> yes. how, how uh, are you how doing? How have <laughs> the last 10 years been? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Toy Surprise Daily. Toy Surprise Daily on YouTube. On YouTube. Yep. Yep. It's unboxing and opening up all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. All kinds yeah. of new I mean, fun, like Lego and packs. Nephews, and they watch these videos yeah. all the time. They will love this channel. Yeah, oh, it's exactly. going to be awesome. It, Doing some Lego builds, some, you know, opening up a bunch of Lego packs and Halo packs. And yeah. So even if this isn't sort of you up your alley, if you have a younger sibling or a cousin or a niece or a nephew or, that, kid. or a kid yeah that might be interested this is sort of the perfect outlet because you want to keep them quiet for a little while <laughs> yeah i didn't want to go that far but pretty much yeah want to shut that i ain't kid gonna up. lie sometimes i'm like my nephew i'm just like okay here watch this just here. stop talking for just a few minutes just a few minutes yeah give uncle's, I, give uncle's ears a rest yeah uncle needs to drink some more <laughs> <laughs> whoa 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 dark paths we're Jeez. going down uh don't don't associate drinking with toy surprise daily days. uh <laughs> But yeah, it's, you, uh, the channel, I guess, would have started yesterday because this podcast comes out on Tuesday. So make sure you guys check it out. We're going to have all the links below. Um, and yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, show notes. Oh, and VGHS. final episode. Dun, 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 dun. It's an hour long. It's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. It's got I mean, it's uh, Hopefully most of you have already watched. It's like a free movie. It, oh, is yeah. like a, it is like a movie. I mean, it's like a movie that you guys released for free that people can watch. Like, yeah. It's epic in scope and scale so many of those shots are just so cool we're blowing stuff up left and right there's like, a 200 gallon explosion in this episode yeah. uh, that uh i was lucky enough to be on set that day when you guys blew that up and we were probably oh, we i'd were say like, about half a mile back from yeah. it and literally you could feel the heat from it yeah from that far away and, and like, like you show over you backwards yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. nice i have some great cell phone video of that like don't even if you haven't watched the rest of vghs this episode is totally fine to watch because it's just action-packed, like, yeah, you know, tons of awesome, like, action. It's what everyone's been asking for, yeah, essentially, yeah. so. But but do watch the rest of VGHS. I'm just saying, if you haven't, you could watch this episode still. Yeah, exactly. Well, Craig, thanks again for coming on the podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me again, guys. Cool. All right, guys, we will uh, see you next time. Yep, and uh, I'll keep playing magic. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>
connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.